0: Block Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a concoction of delight. horror, fantasy in terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always price. Welcome to the.
1: Welcome, boils and ghouls, ladies and germs, Talking Terror fans nationwide and country and worldwide. It's once again Talking Terror time, welcoming you back to this episode. I'm your old pal, the King Har, Andy G. Tonight is the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, and he has chosen Transylvania 65000 in 1985, directed by Rudy Beluca. Sorry about that uh, simmer there. My back's been going out the past couple days, so if so I seem a little bit jumpy, that's why. You know, I've been taking a lot of pills for it. So, um, that, that's the reason why. But uh, we are back. We're happy to have this episode. A little bit of comedy, a little bit of horror. We'll see how it goes later on in the show. But as always, I am joined by the bald, the beautiful, the snuggly bear, the goofy Keith.
2: Hello, everybody. What is going on today? Tonight. Are how going? are you, Howdy duty? I'm good, man. I am good as always. You know, wonderful, wonderful over here in Monroe, Pennsylvania, six five thousand. No, oh, there you go, Monroeville, 6 five thousand. Oh, How long have you worked not, on that joke? Not long at all, man. I literally, just, <laughs> just kind of said it as it came to my my, my brain, bro. You know me, man. <laughs> not much thinking going on tonight.
1: That is very good. Uh like I said, I apologize for any delays on my behalf. I threw out my back the other day, so I've been trying to medicate myself. So trying to walk around and trying to get the back working again. I'm getting fucking old, ladies and gentlemen. When you throw out your threw back, Threw out his in the back pumping
2: your mom snooking.
1: Boom, burn. No, no. No. I threw it out uh when I was in the shower well, to pick uh, a shampoo uh,
2: bottle. So, <laughs> Were you yeah, finally trying to measure your dick, dude? You finally pulled out the no. measure. You went to measure your dick in the shower of all places, which is always a mistake, dude. The floor gets slippery. Sure. And you, and you <laughs> dropped, and you stopped, and you rolled, man. I get it.
1: That that's, that's a sexy story. I will go with that one. That's much sexier than what actually happened, where like an old man, I slip on the, uh, the shampoo bottle and go, oh, my back. I'm 34 years old, and my back just went out. That's not good. Welcome to your 30s, buddy. <laughs> Help, i all... and
2: I can't get up.
1: Mm-hmm. I should have had
2: one of those alarms. You... That would have been great. Were you trying for the reverse taint tickle, dude? I mean, that's an advanced maneuver that I don't know if you no, can no. handle yet.
1: No, no I, I couldn't. I couldn't even try if I could. But we're also joined by the demonic Dr. Dave. Welcome back. I know you missed week's, uh, last week's episode. We're happy to have you back this week.
3: Yes. I missed last week's episode, and I'm happy to be back this week.
1: Excellent, excellent. And we're also joined fresh out of the cage. He's out of tapioca pudding. He's been banging, rattling, waiting to get out. The Mad Monkey, welcome.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: hey there,
4: my fans. I'm your furry little co-host on Talking Terror, the Mad Monkey. Here to sit there and join my little fellow Drews here. Have another fun-filled, fright-filled episode of Talking Terror. I miss you fuckers. <laughs> oh, He's got hair YouTube, okay. Everywhere <laughs> Except for his butthole
0: hey, You Nobody would know <laughs> <hair>. <laughs> <laughs> He would well, hey. I do <laughs> 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 He sent <fed> the picture <laughs> Believe me
4: There's, hey, bro, there's bro, bro. Bro. Autograph 8x10 glossy of yours truly <laughs>
0: Yeah, all for
4: the cool to enjoy. Send
2: all requests to the Talking Terror Facebook page, and we will gladly ship those out to you. $10 a pop.
1: <laughs> yeah, Use PayPal. We will take donations. We'll make copies. So it'll be fun. Everybody can have a good time with that picture, hanging up in your office, your home, your studio, whatever. It's just good times. Proud to have those pictures. Who doesn't <laughs> but, want
2: monkeys, asshole, hanging up in their room somewhere? I mean, come
1: on. <laughs> I know I sure do. Get a nice frame for it, too. Why not? <laughs> but before we kick off the, the fun of horror news and everything else that we have to talk about, uh, this upcoming Monday, October 15th, is my nephew's second birthday. So happy birthday to Dylan. You are going to be a horror fan yet, I promise you. I'm going to be getting you comic books when you're older and plenty of horror movies. Sorry, bro. to my brother, it's going to happen. Got something else on real sports. sports. Happy birthday, Dylan. Go, Jet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't let him hear you say that. That's fighting words to my brother. Being a the New York Giants fan <laughs> with sports
2: ball. Yeah. yeah. but, yeah, but He couldn't get, care Dylan. less about it. the Jets. You got to say something like, fly, Eagles, fly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or go, Cowboys, you go. whatever their chant is. Money, Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: We're America's team, the Cowboys. I don't know. What that
2: is. There you go. Fact, I don't I
1: don't follow sports <laughs> ball too much. <laughs> so, with that out of the way, uh, Doc, once again, we were glad to have you back. So uh, kick it off for us. What do you have uh, horror news related? I
3: really right, don't have anything to talk about. We're fucked.
1: <laughs> I'm
2: totally kidding. <laughs>
3: we we'll a we'll we'll <laughs> of things.
2: On just wire. This just
3: so. In. So, hard, news.
2: hard first, news. I have so many
3: thoughts and feelings surrounding uh, movie trailers. Whether you're gay or not, uh, and there are several of which to talk about. Uh, first, before we get, uh, you know, into those feelings, I know that we had some chatter about it earlier today, and I want to ask you if everyone had a chance to. Watch the Pet Cemetery 2019 trailer
0: ah, yes,
4: yes, I did. go right, did good. You all watch? Check it, it out.
3: The Good Yes, thought.
4: I did. Oh, okay. okay. Uh,
3: so let's go, boys. Monkey, what did you think about the Pet Cemetery trailer?
4: Um, it, I was kind of thrown off about it was with a completely different vibe I felt than the original movie. It seemed like you know, they were going for a lot of that, you know, um, you know, pause and speed up kind of effects with the kids that we were seeing and stuff like that. And I'm curious to see how exactly they're going to take this movie, just because it seems like they are going for a different feeling. But then on the flip side, I'm trying to figure out where did the daughter come from? Because she wasn't in the original story. Was she? she, oh, was.
3: she was. Of course
4: she was. Who? Ellie.
3: Ellie? He was. He yes, was the, the one. Sister. Victor Pacow. Victor Pacow.
4: Uh, I'm sorry. I totally forgot wow, that man. Monkey. Oh, man. You're getting your cards, folks.
0: Yeah. Did someone
3: put him on mute for the rest of the evening?
1: <laughs> 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 and who's this Judd Crandall guy they put in the trailer? Who the fuck is he? That's new.
2: Bad, Monkey. Bad.
1: I'm sorry. I forgot about the whole thing
4: about that. The mom and her went off to get get away from the family for a little bit, and that's when they buried Gage.
1: Yes. So go ahead, Monkey. Continue.
4: No, it's just um, it looks like it's a little bit different feeling than the original movie, and I'm just curious if they're going to keep that feeling that was in the trailer throughout the entire movie, of just going for the, you know, this new level of freakiness that was definitely not presented in the first movie.
0: Hmm.
3: And, Ghoul, how did you feel about the Pet
2: Cemetery trailer? Why? Thank you for asking, Doctor. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know about saying if it has a different level of freakiness. I mean, the fact of the matter is, back when the original Pet Cemetery released, we considered it a freaky movie. I think mm-hmm. what this trailer is showing us is that this is going to be a freaky movie by what today's standards are, by, you know, the comparisons of what modern horror films are this in this day and age. You know, movies like The Witch and, you know, the, the Conjuring series and things like that. It definitely felt like a modern horror movie. It felt like something that, like, it didn't feel like a trailer for a remake, you know, I mean, yeah, there were the little bits and pieces that were in there. The fact that they got a kid that looks exactly like Miko Hughes. Um, the kid they got playing Gage looks... I mean, he looks just like the kid from the original film. Um, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. And I know there's two of them. They're twins. Um, and uh, I, I do like Jason Clarke uh, playing Lewis Creed. I think he's one of those actors that just always kind of <laughs> looks... He was in the... Uh, the second Planet of the Apes remake films. Uh, oh, I forget okay. what That's the what order I was. Was oh, yeah. was, it, was that one Dawn? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, he, I think that was. He was yeah. in. He was Day in of the Planet of Gen- the Apes
3: was way better than Dawn of the Planet of the Apes.
2: Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, he was in Terminator <laughs> Genesis, uh, playing John okay. Connor. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, that's where I knew him from. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, so he's familiar. I knew him from somewhere. He had that face. I to he's that. got I that it
2: face. Or... It's, like a, it's a dark face that kind of feels like, you know, it feels like he's going to play a good villain. And I know Louis Creed yeah. in the film isn't a villain per se, but he does do dark things. And this is the kind of action that I can push-ups. see turning that. Um, you know, uh, everything else with it just felt like, you know, again, like a modern film. So I didn't see anything in there that made me go, "Oh my God, I'm gonna go run and go watch this." But I also know that I'll probably end yeah. up going on a date yeah. to go see it. So, cool.
3: you know, you 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 brought that up about Jason Clark when you and I talked about this a little bit earlier today. And uh, when I watched this trailer, I kept thinking, "Man, I I I this guy is so familiar to me." Uh, where do right. I know him yeah. from? And I went and I, I went and I looked at his resume, and there is not one thing that he has done that I have seen, not one. And oh. then I figured it out. I feel like he kind of looks like that dude Matthew Perry who was on Friends and some movies. If Matthew Perry did <laughs> nothing but eat fried chicken, smoke cigarettes, and drink whiskey for six months,
0: um, <laughs> which he <laughs> did for a while, there was a now, Matthew Perry period. You,
3: yeah, exactly. Left. I feel like I, I was not a watcher of friends, but there's a few movies uh, that he's in that, that, I, that I definitely like. And what and I really was rush thinking in, about... Man, was,
2: Selma Hayek was so fucking hot in that
3: dude, film. Dude, I, oh, I love that <laughs> yeah. you know like, whole, nine, whole nine yards. As, the whole nine yards is pretty good, too, but <laughs> Fool's Rush In is definitely better than that. When it comes to romantic comedy, I, I, like, I, I think that that is, a, that is just a, an excellent one. I love Fool's Russian. I've seen it more times than that character to admit on the air. So uh,
2: That, that scene when through. she's in the kitchen and she's shaking that little ass of hers, dude? Oh,
3: <laughs> oh I know, dude.
2: Yes. I know, I know.
3: Um, Anything with Selma High shaking her ass is <laughs> awesome. Now, Cool, you also said that you feel that uh, Jason Clark uh, is a better actor than Dale Midkiff from the original. Now, I don't think he played Louis Creed. Now, anyway, I don't know much about uh, Dale Midkiff and what his other works are, but there's one thing. I mean, there are several things that stands out, stand out in my memory when it comes to the original Pet Cemetery movie. But one thing that stands out is that, you know, and, and this is a remake, so we can talk about what happens because everybody should fucking know. But when there is a pivotal scene when Gage Creed wanders out into the roadway, one of the images. Yeah stands out so strongly is Lewis Creed running oh. towards the road to try to get there. The desperation yeah. on his face as he tried with everything in his fucking being on this universe to get there and to save his kid, I thought when I think back to the original Cemetery, was just an outstanding performance in that scene. In whatever, for the rest of the movie. So Even the roadway, see- when he's screaming, that was fucking epic. Well, that yeah, screaming, that. He was super intense but uh, I, just, yeah. I just remember the camera looking across the yard, the yard as he's like running towards the camera and stumbling and trying to get there and like spits flying out of his mouth and all of that um, one of the things that, um, that what, what, what oh, were you going to say something cool? I
2: was just going to say I'm, I'm not knocking Dale Midkiff's performance in the film but Dale Midkiff was like a soap opera actor you know, event, he's the kind of guy yes, that would was. be on a show like Silk, Silk, Silk Stockings on USA. You know, like I could see if he he's doing anything these days. You know, he could be in in Lifetime films. Um, maybe that worked when you take the film Pet Cemetery and make it as what it was back then. But I just feel like if they're going to be remaking it, they do need somebody who has – bigger acting chops, somebody that's actually played, you know, uh, if not a full lead role in a Mm -hmm. a big budget movie, you need somebody who's at least been like a second or so in a big budget movie, and again, Jason Clark has been John Connor in a Terminator film, he is the, you know, the the lead male role, pretty much in the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Uh, I mean, he's got Credits to his name. And I just, I feel like he can bring more weight to it and less of the overacted drama that I felt you got from Dale. Soap opera acting, you know. I feel like that scene with him Mm -hmm. running, yes, there was a lot of desperation. There was a lot of things going on in that. But you also put a child in the middle of a road, had a truck bearing down on him, and you can't knock the director and her ability to really frame that shot right, to film that shot right, to do the slow motion. Every little thing with that scene added up to it being perfect. So it wasn't just Dale's yeah. performance, it was everything else surrounding it.
3: Mm-hmm. no. Now, now, when it comes to, because we are obviously talking about uh, the, the trailer for the new movie, uh, you know, as stated every time we talk about one of these, I am not a fan of remakes. Um, one of the things that stands out also about Pet Cemetery, uh, the original, is it just, and, you know, we can argue all day and night about the quality of Stephen King uh, film interpretations, but Pet Cemetery had a very distinct kind of look and feel to it, and you can say, oh, it was yep. a horror movie from that time, which it is, but there was something a little different about it in its time uh it was mm-hmm. like i don't even ha- like i don't even know what vocabulary words to use to describe like the kind of weirdness to it cuz it it just had like a weird feeling all the way around and yeah. i i i hope that when the new pet cemetery comes out which i will i will see this one because it is a property that i care very much about um i hope too that it 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 in its own modern way also, like you brought up The Conjuring and some of the more modern stuff, like seems like a modern horror movie, but also does have some weird off filterness to it as well. And I will say oh. this, uh, my final my personal final thought on the trailer, uh, the one part that got me, hearkening back to what I was just talking about, when they arrived at the house and the daughter's like, is this all ours and everything? And that truck rumbles by uh, oh. in the street <laughs> and like shakes the dam and shakes the trees and the mother turns around and was like, what the fuck? That that scene when the truck came by, it got me. Because it's been a really long time since I've thought deeply about Pet Cemetery in any way. And obviously I know mm-hmm. the whole story, but it's not like I'm walking around in my daily life going, Oh, and Gabe got run over by a truck. And that truck came by and I was like, Oh shit, that's right. I, you know, I didn't forget about that, but I forgot about that. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, my last thought on that whole thing is this. I mean... Tet Cemetery, and this is just to kind of go on with what you were going with, with it feeling the way it did back in you know eighty nine, ninety, whatever you saw it. Um, Tet Cemetery was a supernatural thriller. Thriller. That's that's the Jersey thriller. coming out. It's a thriller. The thriller. <laughs> yeah. the thriller the the thriller from Manila. The thriller. <laughs> but it was it, it was a supernatural thriller, with. I don't want to say slasher elements, but I guess that's the closest way you could put it. Coming out in a time where slashers were everything. You know, as, mm-hmm. as horror fans, you know, at that time frame, it took an 89, it was all Jason Voorhees. It was all Freddy Krueger. You know, th- that's pretty much what was rammed down our throats during that time frame. And. I think that's what made Pet Cemetery different. You know, it was a Stephen King thing which of course, you know, that that had its its pluses and its minuses, you know, for every, you know, the shining you got fucking maximum overdrive, you know, which isn't a bad movie, but it isn't a great one either. Um I, that's that's what I think was so different about Pet Cemetery because it kind of blended. It was almost like you could take Poltergeist and you know a, a Nightmare on Elm Street film and put it all together and shake it out, and Pet Cemetery would be its child. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's, that's the big difference that I felt with that film at the time. You know, plus it had a lot of I don't know. I remember it having a lot of hype, a lot of legs, especially amongst our age here. I was living in Jersey, and I remember you know Pew Colt and. and all those guys, you know, that's all we were talking about at the time was, oh, the fucking creepy baby, oh, this and that, you know, oh, the fucking kid came back.
3: Zelda. <laughs> oh, especially
1: Zelda. So, so, King, what did you think of it?
2: Um, you know, I, I
1: posted it this morning on the Talking Terror page. Uh, I watched it when it first dropped, and then I watched it again because I wanted to kind of process it a little bit. Um, I was excited when I first heard about it because I said, you know what, uh, you know, Pet Cemetery could be updated for this day and age. I think that's one of the timeless Stephen King stories uh, is Pet Sematary. So why not have a new eye on it, have a new writer, have a new cast. Uh, We talked about Jason Clarke. I'm a huge fan of Amy Simons, who plays uh, Rachel Creed, because she was in The Sacrament, uh, Your Next, Alien Covenant. Uh, She's a great actress. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be cool to see her as Rachel Creed. Um, But when I watched the trailer, I was very kind of nitpicky about it. And I hate being nitpicky, especially with the trailer which I'm sure this isn't going to be the only one we're going to get. The movie comes out in April. There's going to be another trailer along the way. But with this initial one, there were certain things that I liked, certain things I didn't like. Um, The houses, which is very important in the book and in the movie, the fact that they're right across the street from each other where the trucks are constantly going back and forth. The trailer didn't really give you the scope of where Judd's house is as compared to the Creed house. Because in the trailer, it looks like the Creed house is set back in the woods and has its own private kind of drive. So it's kind of hard to see if Judd's house is going to be exactly across the street like it was in the movie or the book. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle that, if they show us another trailer where they do show the distance, because that's, that's an important part, the fact that they're right across the street from each other. plays an important part in the book and the movie. Um, John Lithgow as Judd Crandall, I was okay with it, but I don't like the fact that they didn't give him the main accent. It's just him talking as John Lithgow. And I feel like that was what was missing. Um, when he says the line, the, the ground is bad. And I was like, well, no, the, the ground is sour. Like, for some reason, to me, sour. the word sa- the sour is just such a much better word than just saying bad. You know, the ground's bad. Well, it's like, okay, but I just, I like the fact that Judd in the book and in the movie said the ground is sour. You know, and that's why when you bury somebody up at the McMack burial ground, they come back as evil. Um, I kind of do like the fact that they're saying that the pet cemetery in general is evil and the kids are afraid to go in these woods and they kind of dare each other. And you have the line of kids wearing the animal masks, like the bunny masks and they're playing the little drums, you know, and he's talking about how evil the woods are and how just nobody should go in them. It's kind of adding an extra element that I actually did like that you didn't get in the movie. You didn't didn't really even get in the book too much because the pet cemetery is supposed to be a good place the land beyond the deadfall is supposed to be evil, but now it's like the whole woods are evil. So I kind of like that uh, element of, you know, the trailer. Kind of saying it's just, it's all bad. You know, it's all sour. Uh, because Ludlow is a lot like Castle Rock. It's a lot like Derry. It's a haunted place. It's a place where evil happens. Because I don't know if you remember the book so much, uh, ghoul, doc, monkey, but Ludlow It's the type of place that people go through and they don't remember actually even going through the town because that's just how the town wants it to be. You know, it makes you forget that you were there. You know, and if it wants you there, it'll make you remember. But if it doesn't, you'll never remember being there, which I thought was a great aspect of the book that I'm hoping they bring in the movie, the fact that this town is just completely haunted by these spirits. Um, And I I think that would be great. Um, I was disappointed they didn't show Norma. Because I was still waiting and hoping that they were going to put Norma in the movie, Judd's White, because she's an important part of the book. And they didn't put it in the original movie back in 89, and I was kind of hoping they would do it here, because I think that she's an important character, because she brings a lot I'll of come to, when- to the forefront.
2: It doesn't mean we're not going to see her just because she wasn't in the trailer, you know. I, I thought one of the interesting That's true. differences, yeah. too, I guess, that they, they made, which makes more sense to me anyway, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that are going to go down in the film happen, they, I guess, are originally from Boston this time around instead right. of Chicago. Mm-hmm. You get the one line yeah. where, where he's like, well, it's not Boston. Right.
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. But what did you guys think about Judd? Like, do you care that he doesn't have the main accent this time around, or is it kind of missed? Because to me, like I said, I, I miss it Because well, it, it was so main, talk- Fred Gwynn's accent.
3: We're talking about a main accent, and sure, uh, you know, he says the ground is bad, not the ground is sour. Uh, when I think back, again, it's been a long time since I've watched Sematary 9, but I have very, very distinct memories of it. I Fred Gwynn in that role even with the main accent, like there's just something about him, and maybe it's because of all of my memories of him from when I was a kid that, like, I just can't take fully seriously uh, you know, the gravity of his part uh, or what that character's part is Don um, Don on the other hand, has been in some shit that has scared the shit out of me um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what what he brings to the role, because I think that John Lithgow is an outstanding actor, a, a tremendous talent. And I'm not knocking Fred Gwynn, but like that was someone we were all watching when we were little kids, and like I was never able to take him very seriously in dramatic roles.
2: Monkey, what about you, man? What do you think about John?
4: Uh, it's like... Fred Gwynn worked so well in the first one, I thought. But at the thing's time, me is like, you know, we really got to give John Liskow a chance and see how it goes. It's just, but the the problem for me is like the, like Doc just said, on the flip side is like John Liskow sounds like John Liskow to me, no matter you know, what he's doing. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll give him a chance to see how it goes. You know, but I'm, you know, not really excited or disappointed either way about his character. It's just, you know, I, I wish I was excited, but, yeah, it's just, it's John
1: Liskow, man. <laughs> what do you think, uh, cool? I,
2: I mean, I know for me, yes, I enjoy Fred Gwynn in the role. I think of that character, that's who I think of. Um, at the same time, this is a remake. You know, this is other people taking this piece of work and creating their own entertainment with it. So I would rather see John Lithgow do something that he feels is believable and comfortable as an actor in the role more than him try to shoehorn something that would just end up feeling like he's trying to emulate what we've already seen done. You know, Lithgow is a much different person than fred gwynn you know similar to like the the doc said like i think of fred gwynn the first thing i think of is the monsters obviously of course yeah. um mm-hmm. second thing i think of when i think of fred gwynn was my, you... my
4: cousin Vinny. <laughs> you know and
2: then it goes to you know fred gwynn as judd um lithgow is wiry he's skinny he's creepy he's he's gaunt you know, Gwynn was ginormous, you know? Like, he was kind of like this larger-than-life figure. I kind of put him, like, if I, if I was to sit there and look at people I've seen in movies, I'd put, like, Andre the Giant, who I know is, like, gigantic, and Fred Gwynn is, like, just kind of there off to the left a little bit, you know? Like, when they do those, like, movie monster things, like, you know, this is the size of Godzilla, this is the size of this, this is the size of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, there you got Frankenstein, you got Fred Gwyn, and, like, you know, a couple spaces over, there's Andre the Giant type of deal. Get off the table, dog. Oh, sorry. Got to yell at the puppy. <laughs> it happens. Um, but yeah. Um, and I
1: don't know how old Fred Gwynn was when he played Judd. I know they had to dye his hair uh, white for the role because they wanted to make him seem older. But that was the one thing that kind of worked for me with Fred Gwynn is that he did seem like the old-timer that's been in Ludlow all his life. And he has all these stories and all his friends that kind of died off that he's the last of the original Ludlow kids. Telling Lewis all these stories. Whitgow still seems kind of young. You know, I mean, I know he's got the white beard and the hair, but he still seems, you know, sprightly. He still seems like he's got a lot of life in him. You know, and that's the guy. Dwayne was about 63 at
2: stories. the time. Just you know, Okay. He was about well, 63 at the time. And I have no tomorrow. idea
1: how old John Wipgow is. So he could be up there, too. He could be in the 60s. I'm he's sure. probably around similar.
2: I think he's similar.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I felt like uh, the Judd that Whitgow is playing is much more. Sprightly, like I had said. Much, you know. John Lithgow
3: younger. is. I'm. Um, I do not mean to jump in real quick, but I'm kind of surprised at this one too. John Lithgow is 72. Wow.
1: Huh? I would not think that. I, you know, would not think that is the man of 70. You know, definitely not. Um, and that, I'm not knocking his performance at all. I haven't seen it. I'm definitely going to see that cemetery when it comes out April 5th uh, next year. But at the same time, it, it's going to be hard to kind of separate Fred Gwynn from the character. I know, like the doc said, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, exactly get on board with Fred Gwynn as Judge, but I just did, just because it had that main accent. And maybe, like the doc said, it's better that uh, Whipgow doesn't do the main accent because it's just going to be trying to emulate what came before. You know, let's try something different. But it, it's going to be. I mean, he might a have a more accent.
2: realistic main accent, you know. Fred Gwynn's was a very exaggerated version of it. You know, have I heard people mm-hmm. when I was up there, have I heard people speak like that? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like what, it, like what I would say he was doing was cubed, you know, compared to what <laughs> I heard, you know, and some of the people that I've spoken to and know are from, you know, way up North Maine, like you're talking caribou. It's like, you take a week, you're in Canada, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> So so, so it's, it's a deep accent, but, again, his was certainly magnified for the part.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it is kind of cartoonish. You, know, say, oh, yeah. Lewis, you don't want to go down that route. No, no, no. That's Autostonia, Lewis. Like, you know, that, that whole main accent. You know, sometimes that is better. You know, it's, that's, you know, what I was kind of hoping for, but I'm looking forward to either way. I know that the doc had said that they had just casted uh, Victor Pascal, recently from
0: the movie, but
1: like I a think year year What was that, Doc? I didn't hear
3: you. I said that was just, I mean hmm. He's in the trailer.
1: I did, that's what I was yeah, going to say. Sure. I thought I saw a glimpse of Pascal in the trailer. I wasn't too sure. Did you Because looks
3: Pascal in film, uh, what did you see? Because I was just doing some looking a few minutes ago, and in this version of Pet Cemetery, Victor Pascal is played by an African-American actor.
0: There's there's a a guy guy in a hospital
2: bed that you see for like a split second.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, it was a black
1: actor in a bed and I was like, that's got to be Victor. That's got to be Pascal in this one. But I wasn't sure because it was such a
3: fast kind of thing. Maybe they had him uh, and were already working uh, but they Mm -hmm. just announced, uh, maybe it was an announcement of who was playing that character and that maybe that character had already been hired and had been working but the announcement of who is playing that character was just reported two days ago.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, like I said, it, it could be, they just announced it, but they already had the trailer,
3: you know, oh, you got together, a glimpse so in they, the trailer. Then, then obviously he's been working. Yeah. I mean, at least to me anyway, I mean, I know the goal said it too, you
1: know, you do get a quick glimpse of a, a guy in the hospital bed that I assumed was Pascal. I mean, I could be wrong, but it did look like it was Pascal. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Like I said, I, I was on the fence a little bit, but I had to watch the trailer at least two or three times to kind of really let it gel because I think it's going to be a good movie either way. Um, I don't think you can go wrong. I'm just hoping that the Ramones that Cemetery is in this movie somehow. I don't care if it's the cover, I don't care if it's the original. You have to put that song in this movie somewhere because that song, to me, is such a classic and it represents that movie so well. So, I'm hoping well. they have this in the movie somewhere.
4: Well, on the flip side though, like the ghouls had said earlier, man, it's like, yeah, that song represented that movie, but we're trying yep. to you know, bump up the pet cemetery to modern times and it's like, and I just don't think it's gonna
1: fit, man. But there's been they some might be able to, that song.
2: They can stay they they don't even need to cover it. They can even slip the original in there somewhere Like they're, too, they're changing the channel On their radio station or something In the car and let it just be like A quick snippet of it like that type of deal I don't think they would use yeah. it as you know The beginning or the ending of the film Or, or anything to that effect yeah. but They might slip yeah. it and they might not who knows
1: It'd be fun it, it would be definitely fun and there was I don't know if you guys Caught it it looks like there was a snippet Of Zelda too in the trailer Coming out of what looked like a laundry hatch
2: in the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was another flash where you see somebody sitting in a chair in a room, and I I assume Mm -hmm. that was her as well. Yeah, I was glad
1: they didn't show their hand too much with Zelda. Keep it hidden.
3: Yeah, you you can't. can't. Zelda Zelda is one of the most memorable things, if not the most memorable thing from that original flick. If, Mm -hmm. If they do anything with this, they better have done a A good job recreating the fucking scary, creepy ass (laughs) shit from fucking Zelda, man, because to this day, I proclaim that that is some of the scariest shit that I have ever seen in a fucking horror movie. If I were to watch Pet Cemetery this evening, when it was like Zelda time, I would be pulling the fucking blanket up on my eyes, and that is no joke. (laughs) We'll get you,
2: Rachel. Gauge, I will get you. Uh, I, I feel horrifying. like that'll be the one thing that's a major disappointment in the film. I don't have high hopes for it. I don't think they can match. No, no. What they did with that original one because it really was so out of left field. We seeing something like that was disturbing. It was just freakish. <laughs> was Zelda from Pet cemetery Yeah, the the Google girl. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I just feel like it, it's going to be good. But, I mean, just keep it hidden. I don't want to see it. I don't want to, you know, just no reference to Zelda. I want to be surprised when I see this movie. I would rather they keep that one thing out of the trailer. Because you see Church, you know, whether that's Church uh, after it comes back from the Pet cemetery or not. That's what it looks like to me, but I like Church. Um, and I think they kind of roughed her up a little bit more than they did in the original, which I liked. You know, a little bit more of the must-up fur, just looking just cover that and whole shit. that whole Vaseline. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, with, I with
2: CGI it. now too, you know they'll be able to do a lot more with that cat than they were, you know, using oh yeah, you know, props and and a cat. Mm-hmm.
1: But the the interesting thing to me was, uh, and I think uh, our buddy Todd Staruk actually brought it up about how many people are so divided on this one trailer that just got dropped. So many people are saying, "Oh, fuck this! This is not my Pet Cemetery. Not going to see this one."
3: And then some people well, are like, you know, hell yeah, bring it on. Like, it was such a divide. You know, just, I, feel like, I feel like this is one that's one of those... It's one of those movies that people have a lot of strong feelings about going back to the original. For, for, take the a remake completely out of the equation. Like, we were just talking about Zelda. I've seen a thousand fucking horror movies in my life. And when I think about the freakiest shit I've ever seen in a horror movie, I think about Zelda, you know? And I feel mm. like there's a lot of people that are in our kind of age vicinity that probably feel the same exact way. Um, mm-hmm. The feeling when I think about the movie Pet Cemetery kind of stems from my feelings about Zelda, which means that's a fucked up movie. That movie's got some creepy ass shit in it that still affects me to this day. And there's not a lot of horror movies I can say that about. Uh,
0: right. Ones
3: that I've seen when I was younger, and maybe still have a, a, a real live effect on me today when I were to watch them. So people that have that feeling and got that feeling when they were 12 or 13 years old, those kinds of feelings aren't captured again when you're 40. Or like me, I'm 42, you know? Like, there's, I, I can't imagine a horror movie that's going to come out that I'm going to watch now in my age now and feel the way I feel when I was 13 in saw Zelda. So people are going yeah. to be like, oh, they're remaking that movie. How am I going to feel? Like, I'm not going to feel like that again. Like, uh, that movie is such, that movie scarred me as a horror movie fan. Uh, then there are those that are going to be like, like someone on the show said earlier this evening that, oh, it's time for an update. You know, if there's any TV story that can be updated, uh, you know, that's great. Uh, you know, it for, you know, wasn't perfect, but was very, very, very highly entertaining. And granted, that was a remake of what yeah. was a TV movie. Uh, but still, brought Big into difference. a modern age with the time updated to a modern time was a, was an entertaining movie. So I feel like if there's going to be this kind of craft to Stephen King properties to make them serious movies uh, and they can bring forth something that's entertaining, then all the power to them. You know, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, but I do. I feel like people I feel like people got real fucked up from some stuff in Pet Cemetery uh, mm-hmm. they were, saw that movie when they were young, and that's where that kind of thought process comes from. Mm-hmm. For that's me, scary. it was uh, all, so...
4: all 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 about Gage getting those tendons under the bed.
1: Oh man! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was yeah. horrifying. Yeah, just, just cutting that nerve and then just eating fucking Judge's throat out. Like, all right, <laughs> you know we're we're definitely going all in with uh, Killer Gage. Um, but to go away from Pet Cemetery with with uh, more horror news,
3: what else do you have for us, Doug? So I was talking about trailers, and I when did it become a thing? And and maybe this has been going on for longer than I realized. When did it become a thing to like <laughs> announce when your trailer was coming out? Like, oh, the trailer for our movie is going to be released in three days, or the trailer is dropping tomorrow. Like is this something that's newer or has this been going on longer than I thought? Because I feel like every movie that I have like like some interest in right now, it's not just like, oh, I go to the sites that I go to every day to see the news and the movies and I don't see the trailer. I see this little orb that tells me the trailer's coming tomorrow. Is this a thing?
4: You see a trailer for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah
0: it's, it's media. social
2: media, yeah. man. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, you know, now yeah. that
2: we have things like Facebook and stuff like that, it just makes more sense for them to get wider visibility through social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Why not announce when the ta- the trailer is going to drop? You know It just just makes more sense that way. I think it's something that's always kind of been there. It's just something that you know, from when we were younger, it was relegated to movie theaters. you know, you saw yeah. trailers. In the theater, you know, and sometimes you'd go to a movie, you'd see a trailer, and that's the first thing you tell your fucking friends, like, "Holy shit, yeah, the movie was whatever," but this trailer drop, dude. Did you know this was coming out in a couple of fucking months? um <laughs> yep. You know, so so nowadays though, no, that's you, you can't really sneak trailers in that way anymore. So it's just, just easier even, to I'm announce even, it, and then
3: I'm not even talking yes. about sneaking them in. You know, and again, I don't see this stuff on social media. Like, there's a couple of legitimate, like, movie news websites that I visit on my like daily morning cycle of waking up and getting on the internet and seeing what's going on in the world. And I feel like for the, I would log on to a particular website and and look at the scroll of news. And it was like, here's the trailer for the next this, and here's the trailer for the next that. And I feel like now all I see is. The trailer for The Next this is coming tomorrow. I, I guess my quest, my question just is, is, like, is that like a new thing? And, oh, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if that's something that's been going on for years with the, all of the comic book movies or whatever, but I just feel that I see more announcements or trailers coming soon than just seeing, hey, check out our trailer. Right. I, I want to
1: say... Like I, I,
3: check. Oh. Go ahead, Matthew.
4: Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I want to say, like, I think they started doing this a couple of years ago at the, during the Super Bowls, was that they would have announcements saying, hey, the trailer is going to drop for such and such movie at such and such time during the Super Bowl. You know, and it would always be a big, big-ass trailer for some big, exciting movie. And I want to say, I think hmm. that started just a couple of years ago.
1: Well, uh, hmm. like the Google said, I think it's the dawn of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, it's the best way to do it, so you can get people extra excited. I mean, we don't live in a time anymore, like the good one said. You go to a movie, and all of a sudden there's a trailer for a movie, and you're like, oh, fuck, that movie's coming out this summer? Can't wait. i got to talk to my friends about that. Now you have the chance to basically go online and use social media to your advantage and say, hey, guys, this movie, get excited, trailer drops tomorrow, 9 a.m. Just like they did with the Pet Cemetery trailer, you know, where the day before they're like, oh, shit, drop it, 6 a.m. You know, West Coast time, 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. East Coast time get ready, bookmark these sites if you want to see it. It's a way to get people excited, and I actually don't mind it. I think it's a fun way to get people amped up and ready to see what you have.
2: Yeah, but even if, you like book. you say, oh. like Doc, when you see it, you see it when you're checking out these websites and whatnot. Like, I know I don't check out, you know, I don't know I'm just not a peruser of the of, uh, horror websites all that often. Um, you know, for me, I don't know. I watch regular news in the morning. Porn, uh, porn. Sovereign or porn? That's true. Too. You, know, that's, uh, you know me. I ain't gonna lie. You know, pornhole.com. So, gotcha. Fucking update whatever updates gone through on browsers. You know, um, there's an new team. You, right you know, but oh, I don't anymore. Um, but. You know, like, again, like, I know for me, a lot of things that I'll see, I I will end up catching on Facebook and everything, and just because, like you know, again, you check the sites, but those sites, you know, they have Facebook pages of their own, you know, and they've got people that are following on there, and I might not catch it on their website, but I might see it in my news feed and then say, hey, I'm going to fucking click on this, and, you know, boom, clickbait, man. That's what it's all about.
3: It's all the clicks.
2: That's what it
1: takes. All
2: right. So, yeah, I mean, I I think
1: it's great.
3: You don't have to use that to your man. Go ahead, Doc. All right. Well, I just wanted to see if that had been something that I wasn't aware of. And with that being said, you can all be looking forward to like the final or the second or third trailer for Glass, which will drop tomorrow, um, just in oh, case great. you were wondering. Uh, so I there will be that. a trailer
0: for, for Glass
3: George tomorrow,
0: Glass. and it's... Uh, George Glass, my boyfriend.
3: His name is George Glass. Uh, So, uh, you know, another thing too on on the on the, uh, I guess a similar note to uh,
0: this
2: glass. You know, the movie about Glass Joe. You know, the first guy (laughs) You glassed Mike Tyson's punch out. Uh, It's the punch out movie. (laughs)
3: Um, So, I guess similar to my thoughts on this, like pre-announcement of trailers is. Movies, especially, well, maybe only in the horror genre, uh, people that are making these movies now feel the need to, uh, in advance, announce what the rating is going to be. Like, oh, our movie is going to be rated R. Or we're going for PG-13. And then people get all upset. Oh, why is it going to be PG-13? It's a horror movie to be rated R. But Glass, in addition to announcing the trailer uh, coming tomorrow, also announced that it's going to be uh, PG 13, which I saw some talk on the internet of people being disappointed about, but I don't know if those people realized that Unbreakable and Split were also both rated PG 13. So uh,
0: it's not, like, it's not,
3: like, it's not kind of, it's like some new kind of precedent is being set with this one, um, but I know that's been the case with some other horror movies. So I did see that, so I just wanted to throw that out there uh, in regard. So if you're looking forward to Glass, be sure to check out the trailer. Coming tomorrow, as I've said many times on the show, I'm very much looking for Glass. uh, Looking forward to Glass, and we'll be looking forward to checking out the trailer tomorrow.
2: And it's rated PG-13, so don't get upset about it. (laughs) I think that whole rating (laughs) thing, man. You know, again, it comes down to the whole idea that you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So sure, people might be sitting there pitching, moaning, complaining, getting on social media. Oh, how dare this movie be this? It should be this. Or it should be that. You know, my kids should be able to go see it, but guess what? It just means people are talking about it. The more people chatter and complain about it, the more people are talking about it. The more people end up catching wind about it that might not have known about it. And then they like to join in those conversations. And then you get fucking people that are going to sit there and fight back and forth about it, all the way until the point that the movie's released. And then everybody goes, oh, wow, that movie sucked. Or, oh, wow, that movie was great. And then they can sit there and go. Back
4: and forth about that too. I just think everyone should -hmm. go see a Star Is Born. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go see it immediately. Yeah, fuck fuck Venom. Go go see a
2: Star Is Born. I I have to (laughs) make an apology. Um, On last week, I got you know many, many, many complaints. Sent directed to me No death threats thankfully But I do apologize for my use of the word bitches For when I went to go see Miz. Um Like I said Those, those, <laughs> I those people miss. were both men and female I did not mean it as directly just female You know so I do I, I am so sorry. sorry Who complained about this? Just complaints, man. It happens, dude. I can't bring. I you really? No, I need oh, to know.
0: Oh, jeez.
2: It was, it was <laughs> horrific. I can't drop names, dude. That's just not right. No, don't <laughs> drop names. But you seriously got complaints? I think that's not good. Oh, really? Listen, man. You know it's 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 on the heels of a movement. You know what I mean? It was bad timing. were, were, were any of these
3: complaints that you received from anyone that in some way was not related to you?
2: Yeah, no, none of, none of these people are directly related to
3: me. <laughs> are any of these people people that you work with?
2: No. No. So not, not actually, anybody that I actually not anybody that I actually know. Not so anybody. Just, that I'm just wanna, with. I just I want to I want to
3: make sure I have this I just want to make sure I have the facts for me. So you had direct complaints directly to you from listeners?
2: I would guess that, or somebody said something to somebody, and they decided to message me directly. <laughs> okay, I, well, I just want
3: sure, to make sure I got the facts straight. Um, I mean, if it were me, I would announce the names on the air, because that's what we do, in <laughs>
0: honesty. But
3: I you're that's... choosing to not. I understand she (laughs) to not want to do that, but like (laughs) you take the (laughs) good, you take the
2: bad, you take them both, and and there you have the back to life, okay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: Hey, we we just said there's no such
2: thing as bad publicity. Yeah, Brett.
3: So, anyway, if you are listening to Talking Terror and you have a problem with any of the content, uh, please know that if it is myself who uh, receives this complaint, I will speak your name on the air, because we speak your names. <laughs> you know, we do not keep it hidden. Nothing is anonymous on this show.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, don't complain to me because I'll, I'll be right out on the air spouting names without uh, without giving. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, you know, this if this item was I don't I'm pretty sure that this item that I am going to talk about next uh, came out since last week's show. If this is something that was out the week before and was discussed, please stop me immediately. I feel that this next item is going to be uh, of tremendous interest to the king. But apparently, uh, it's been reported that George Romero, uh, in his death, has left it's behind like a whole, a whole treasure trove of completed scripts uh, in all kinds of genres, including um, you know, ghost stories, UFO movies... Uh, vampire movies, as well as a Marvel movie. He wrote a script for a Marvel movie about something called uh, Mongrel, The Legend of the Copperhead. I don't know Marvel, but if that's a Marvel thing, then he wrote I've, that. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of
2: that. Not familiar uh, with it, it, but that, not a surprise
3: either. But, uh, but you've heard of it. It's like a Marvel thing. Nope. No, I've, I've, I've never, heard never heard of it. No, I. <laughs> Oh, I thought, um, I thought uh, yeah. Ghoul, you said you had it. But then the, the most important part of that news uh, is that uh, he, he has a oh, – The rom-com? A complete, no, he has a completed film uh, that go, dates back to 1973 that has never been released in any format that uh, – I don't even see a title listed for it any, anywhere uh, that is listed as being like a scary movie but not a horror movie – Uh, that has to do with ageism, uh, that he also has a cameo in, uh, that whoever's in charge of the Romero state right now is working on trying to clean that up for release. So a completed, uh, you know, never-released George Romero film uh, could be on the horizon. And when I saw this news, if you were not aware, I did feel that this would have been of large interest to the King of Hearts.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, I did post
1: the article earlier this week on on the talking terror page. I didn't We didn't talk about it last week because I just found it this week. Um, courtesy of what he discussed yeah, apparently his wife uh, had found all these scripts. There was forty to fifty completed scripts that he had made because he was always writing. When he wasn't directing, he was always writing. Uh, he was working on a novel uh, that's going to be coming out next year. Uh, he when he passed away, he had somebody take up his mantle to finish this book. I believe it's called The Living Dead, uh, but it comes out next year. And the movies, yeah, the 1973 film, it's going to be really interesting because I know they plan on releasing it. Instead of being a Romero cinephile like myself, it's going to be worth checking out because, like the doc had said, it's not a horror film, but it is a scary film uh, that deals with ageism. And he does have a cameo in it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what pans out with that.
3: What were you saying, Doc? Indeed. Oh, I was just saying, you know, they say it's a scary story, but, uh, you know, that tale remains to be told, and I'm sure that many people out there in Horrorland will be looking forward to checking that out with great anticipation.
1: Uh, yeah, and there's also Road of the Dead, uh, which he was overseeing before his death, that uh, they're still attempting to get off the ground. So the yeah, Romero heard-
3: legacy will live on whoever whoever's kind of like in charge of that project now, I did read that uh, you know th- th- it's a there's a strong possibility that that might not ever see the light of day
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they said that as of right now, you know it, it's one of those things they want to have it made, but it it depends. I mean, even before Romero died, it was one of those things that they were just trying to get money for. You know, to see if he can get funded because it was one of those scripts that he had already completed. He wasn't going to be directing, he was only writing. so we'll see if it gets made, you know but just like these forty and fifty scripts, um, I'd love to see him get made, but it's gonna be somebody that obviously has a true you know respect and devotion to Romero to want to pick up these scripts and and see what can be made and and get them released. So we'll you know time will be seen that could be coming to the light of day anytime soon. I would love it, but, you know, it's, it's got to get enough uh, fandom behind it to get them into the, you know, filmed in the theaters. Yeah, but you think the fan base is going to be back?
4: Like, there's enough of a fan base to be able
1: to get that to happen? That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's, if there is enough, uh, you know, fandom behind it They'll want to get these scripts out and get them filmed and lensed and, and released. You know, that remains to be seen. You know, sure, he has well, all these scripts, and that's great. But you might as well sell them off in an auction. You know, you know, you, that's my idea. You know, make some money off uh, of it for the Georgia Mail Foundation.
2: Yeah, and I think also, you know, it depends on the quality of said scripts and everything as well. You know, I mean, is there anything in there? I mean, the guy was a writer. You know, it was one of the things that mm-hmm. he did. So... Obviously, he, you know, he's going to have an oeuvre of things that go from, you know, like I said, 70s all the way up until, you know, probably close to his death. I'm sure plenty of that stuff he tittered around with, maybe tried to shop and and see if he can get anybody to pick it up. Sure. Maybe some company will pick it up now and be like, Oh, well we can throw George Romero's name on it and we'll get people in for that. And you might be able to get like, you know, a a limited theatrical run depending on the quality of said film and script. They'd probably be better suited putting it into like a, uh, I don't know, who knows? Maybe they can make something like an anthology series something similar to like the Black Mirror series or something like that and have, you know, the George Romero name tapped onto it. That might draw some attention. You know, maybe a Netflix or an Amazon Prime or somebody like that uh, tapping onto it.
1: Yeah, that could be good. Um, yeah, if it was kind of done like that, because I still think that the Romero name, you know, gets a lot of attention. So if you have somebody that's willing to do an anthology or bring it up, I, I think definitely – just having the name George Romero in the title is going to bring a lot of attention to it. Um, I mean, well, it would be great if Tom Savini picked some of it up, you know, and, and ran with it, because he was great friends with Romero when he was still alive. So I mean, I'd love to see if Savini would want to get his hands involved. Yeah,
4: but you, but that's the problem though with Romero is you say you tack Romero's name onto it and you know that'll help things out. But yeah, that Romero works for us horror fans, but the problem is. You know, everyone else out there doesn't really know who Romero is. Yeah. I mean, well, it's I,
2: mean very very I wouldn't go of... that far. I mean, that's, you know, again, obviously anybody that is going to be a horror fan and is going to look into the history of horror films, Night of the Living Dead is, you know, uh, I know, King, you like Dawn of the Dead and all of that. I still feel like Romero's strongest was Night of the Living Dead. And I think that, you know, goes up there along with, you know, Frankenstein and Dracula and films of that nature. You know, that's just Absolutely. as classic as any of those.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I
1: agree with you, too. I mean, it, it's one of those things. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens with these scripts. We'll see what happens with Road of the Dead, um, with the book coming out next year. I'm hoping that a lot of people have interest in that because I know that I've read a couple of Romero short stories, um, his Dawn of the Dead, you know, adaptation, his None of the Living Dead adaptation with John Russo. He's a good writer. You know, he knows how to write. He knows how to bring into a story. So I'm hoping this book coming out next year is a success, you know, and it only adds to people wanting to see these projects get made. But like we always say on the show, time will tell. So that's, you know, what I have to say about these uh, Romero scripts, and the book and everything else that he's involved with. Um, but speaking of what the uh, gullet said about Frankenstein, we do have a movie tonight featuring
0: uh, that 6 ah,
3: creature. Ooh, oh, oh, the I'll be back in one second. Fuck you! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. What were you saying? Carlos? I think he said he'll be back in one second. <laughs> okay. Well, while we're waiting for him to come back, uh, Monkey, tonight is your pick. It is Transylvania Six Five Thousand from 1995, directed by Rudy De So why don't you give us an intro and we'll get into it.
4: All right, Transylvania Six Five Thousand is an 80s comedy with a fundamental cast of 80s soon-to-be known actors, not yet. It's about two tabloid reporters who, after coming across a leaked VHS tape of a supposed actual sighting of Frankenstein, they journey to the old world of Transylvania to seek out the monster. But while on their quest, they might have taken on more than they can handle. When you add more classic horror monsters into the mix, are they cre- are these creatures the bloodthirsty beings and myths and legend, or is there more to them? And, uh, find out on tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Hello. Okay.
0: Yeah.
4: As for as for why I picked this movie, it's fucking Transylvania Six Five Thousand, man. <laughs> what does it's that a mean? great little, it's mm-hmm. a great cheesy comedy from the '80s that I first saw as a kid, and like Monster Squad, I thought it just combined fun and the you know the classic Universal monsters that we all know and love. And for my October pick, I thought it would just be a quirky
1: little thing to add to the mix.
4: That's why I picked it.
0: Okay,
1: great. Uh, so, Gould, what did you think about Transylvania
2: 6-5,000? Like I say about a lot of films from this time frame, I wish I saw it when I was a kid. I think, I think if I would I've have seen it. this movie in the 80s, I, you know what, this is one that I saw in the video store all the time and avoided all the time. I just, at that time frame, I wasn't into horror comedies. You know, for me, it was like, I, I went from... You know, movies like The Goonies and Monster Squad and that kind of stuff, right into, like, you know, the Friday the 13th films and the Nightmare on Elm Street films and Texas, Ch- Texas Chainsaw, Faces of Death, you know, shit like that. I went, like, fucking full pedal to the metal. Um, right. This probably no, would, no. This probably would have been one of those fun little intermediary films that would have made more sense to have caught, but I just didn't, and... You know, it just it, it just escaped me every time. Anytime I saw it in the in, in the video store, it was like, mm, no, mm, no. I kind of lumped it in almost like a Rocky Horror Picture Show type of deal, which might have made this movie more interesting if it was a musical. Uh, you know, because aside from that, yeah, the, the the humor's dated. You know, Jeff Goldblum is fucking Jeff Goldblum. He's doing everything I've ever seen Jeff Goldblum do. You know, no different. Uh, Gina Davis. Just you know, she's she's all right in that fucking in that costume, but you know, again, overall, is it is it an entertaining movie? I guess so. If you're looking for you know, if you're bored and you feel like watching something, go ahead. You know, aside from that, I mean, I might have laughed twice.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right,
1: so Doc, what did you think about Transylvania Six Five Thousand?
3: <laughs> you know, I can uh, comment distinctly again, distinctly against what the ghoul was just saying about wishing he had seen it back then because uh, I am one of the roughly 47 to 52 people that actually saw this movie in the movie theater um, upon its uh, upon its initial release. release. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I was nine, nine, eight or nine years old. Uh, and... Uh, you know, one day, my mom took my brother and I to see Transylvania
0: 6-5000
3: in the movie theater. Uh, revisiting it now, uh, that this is a movie that it's it just it so strongly indicates how times have changed. Because in 1985, this was a movie that was not fully, but was kind of marketed to kids. And it I can't fathom... I can't fathom uh, a, a movie like this being one that like that, that kids watch now. Um, I don't have very strong or vivid memories from when I've seen it, but in watching it now, um, especially with all of the familiar places that were in so many things from that era, uh, it just felt flat for me now. Um, just like the humor didn't work. Uh, there's, Jeffrey Jones, and he's like a weird, like, pedophile looking at him now. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, there might have been some chuckles here and there. Uh, You know, I enjoyed the kind of banter between Carol Kane's character and her husband, especially because in some of my reading, I had read that, uh, you know, a lot of that between the two of them was completely unscripted. Uh, They were given directions like, go in the kitchen and prepare lunch, and that was it. Um, and I feel like that's pretty cool to have to, have, to, to see that. Um, but you know, I can see the entertainment value from back in the day. But this was something watching it now that just I feel like didn't really hold up that strongly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and for me, I remember this uh, Transformers Six Five Thousand playing a lot on Comedy Central back in the early nineties. Um, when I was watching it uh, for MST3K episodes when it was first on Comedy Central. Um, it was one of those movies that was always on. They were always advertising it on like a Saturday. You know, stay tuned for Transpany and I remember watching it when I was a kid, you know, and enjoying it for what it was. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, dying from laughter uh, from the movie, but I remember enjoying it. Um, I think it was kind of fun, you know, in its own little way, you know, with these iconic monsters, like Frankenstein's monster and the Wolfman and the mummy, you know, kind of a lot like Abbott and Costello back in the day. I mean, that's what it kind of felt like to me. It was very, just kind of, of, you know, clumsy, kind of kitschy horror, but with the comedy edge, um, you know, watching it this time, did I laugh my socks off? No, I didn't. Um, but I did, there was a couple lines in the movie that I did like, and I did laugh at, um just because I couldn't help it. I mean, there's just little fun situations that uh, Gil and, and Jack, the uh, tabloid reporters going to transmit and get into. Um, one of the lines that I did like at the opening of the movie was when they were sitting, talking to their boss, Goldblum is playing the skeptic. Doesn't really believe in this whole bat boy kind of national Enquirer type shit that they're trying to report on. He wants to do more serious things. Um, and he tells his boss, you remember the time you told me that there was a rapist factory and he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, but it actually turned out to be a rope factory. For some reason, I laughed at that this time around. I don't know why. It just kind of just was a funny little line to kind of kick it off because I'm not a fan of Ed Begley Jr. at all. And I told this to the monkey the other night. I don't like him. Like, I feel like Ed Begley Jr. plays the same character in every movie he's ever been in. He's always like the white bread white guy that should be behind a white picket fence and raising a family and just kind of being the golf type of dad that he is. So and that's kinda of way he felt in this movie. You know, I just I didn't care for him on screen whenever he was on. I just kinda of liked the Jeff Goldblum character because I liked Jeff Goldblum and I, I thought that he was
2: you get that with
0: both
2: the cat. well you get that with both the actors and characters because Basically, what you get you get Jeff Goldblum doing what like I said, what we've seen him do in every single film he's ever been in, and you get Ed Baker mm-hmm. Jr. doing exactly what we've seen him doing in every single film you've ever seen him in, you know, like I think his character here is you know very similar to his character in She Devil and Death becomes yeah. her, and all of those things you know it's just that yeah. that yeah. is what he is, um and again, just like. Just like Goldblum, he is what he is. He's your typical wisecracking, skeptic, cynical type of guy, you know, always trying to get himself some pussy. Same character we saw in Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing I was talking about with the
1: monkey as well, is I don't feel like he was a Chep Goldblum that we know from Jurassic Park just yet. Where he's like, oh, yes, yes, the, uh, the theory, yes, 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 let's let's talk about it. Like, you know, it wasn't like the stuttering kind of Jeff Goldblum that we get in those movies. He
2: was trying to play. He was using the fact that he was a reporter to try to get in the chick's pants. And it wasn't all that successful. (laughs) You know, he was trying, he was trying, you know, we saw him do this in the fly, you know, before he became Brundle fly. Uh, Right. Again, like uh, Goldblum is one of those actors that does that. It either works or it doesn't. He's always going to be Jeff Goldblum. And it works or it doesn't work. It's like Nicolas Cage. It and, works or it doesn't work. You know, there's those actors well, that are Cage. just that. So <laughs> yeah, huge well, fan we're of going to get Cage Rage next Cage week, old. so.
1: Yeah, huge fan of Rage Cage. But um, <laughs> but that aside, um, you have the scene where they arrive in Transylvania based off of their boss's kind of tip that Frankenstein's monster might be living uh, in Transylvania. So the other thing that kind of bothered me. Is because they keep calling it Frankenstein throughout the entire movie, and I was like, "It's not Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. Why hey, is Oh please
2: God, get over it."
1: Listen, I just man. I hate that because it's okay. not, like that's not Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. Let's get it right, people.
2: Okay, listen. When you look at the box for the movie Frankenstein, right? It's I said got the, the title exact same Frankenstein thing, yeah. on it. What do, you, what do you see? You see the monster. You don't see the doctor. The fact of the matter is, yeah. is the monster is identified as Frankenstein. It might not be his name. He doesn't really have one. He's just the monster. But, you know, right. he is yeah. Frankenstein. I mean, um, what was Abbott yeah, and Costello? You know, like, Abbott and Costello, you know, yes. meet Frankenstein. Yep. Who did they meet? They met and the monster. Yeah.
1: The monkey and I did talk about that, too. It's just, It's always been a pet peeve of mine because I'm such a literary novel guy. Where I'm like, all right, guys, let's get this straight. It's not Frankenstein's Frankenstein's monster, but I put that aside. Um, when they arrive in Transylvania, and Jeffrey Jones playing the mayor pops out,
0: and there's uh-huh. a little
1: girl in his presence, so I'm like, run, girl, run! You know, it's like
0: yes. it's Jeffrey
1: Jones. No kids, no kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
4: know, but no, That's I told the you, the little gar- the little girls were safe. It was the little boys that got to be careful around Jeffrey Jones
0: because then yeah. you know, it might, it might just might be,
4: be a little little
2: people in general might have to just worry about Jeffrey Jones, man.
1: <laughs> you know, and it's, it's weird because it is that stigma, you know, that he gets because he's done some really kind of bad things. But, yeah, as soon as that little girl showed up and Jeffrey Jones was like, hello, everybody, I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, hot the kids. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> but he was a good character, you know, as the mayor of this town. Whenever he popped up, I kind of like, just like we talked about Ravenous, how I liked him in Ravenous and I like him in this movie, too.
2: As the, you know, the mayor yeah, hiding me. the secret of everything. What's that good? A lot of Jeffrey Jones. We've had a lot of Jeffrey Jones in the last couple of weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but. How was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we sure um, have, mister. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> but what I, I did kind of
1: appreciate about this movie is that. They have no problem playing on the stereotypes of the iconic monsters, uh, like Michael Richards, who everybody knows as Kramer from Seinfeld, playing the weird kind of guy that answers the door. He's a servant in the castle, That's That's you know, with good. the Romanian accent. Um, they're just playing on the stereotypes of him just being fucking weird and creepy throughout the entire movie, you know, losing limbs, uh, you know, on the little, uh, the little cart ride, you know, in the closet. He's like, I'm meditating. <laughs>
0: <Just coughs>
2: popping up at weird moment you know what it actually reminded me of and it's well obviously what it reminded me of made me realize what I guess maybe he borrowed from this John Turturro and Mr. Deeds you know I'm very yeah yeah like I, I felt I like the that. character <laughs> was just very similar and like you know maybe he used a little bit of this for that
1: mm-hmm. I could definitely see that um you know, I'm not sure if that's who he's going for, but it definitely had that vibe. That's because every time that Michael Richards showed up as Fritz, like he was always doing something different. Um, when Gil, uh, Bigwood Jr.'s character is meeting with uh, Odette, Gina Davis's vampire character in the library, you know, and he says, Hey, did you see Dracula? He goes, Yeah, when it came out in theaters. So
0: for some reason that
1: cracked me up. I don't know why. Um, it was just one of those little jokes in the movie that made me laugh because this whole town thinks that they're jokes. Because they're looking for Frankenstein. They're like, oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't you meet up with Dracula, I, I, I said, too? You know,
3: I said Frank Sinatra. I'm looking for Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's this whole town kind of thinking at their jokes because they're looking mm-hmm. for Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> That's not real. Like, that doesn't exist. Okay.
0: I mean, no I mean it's funny
2: because it. I'm sure if you were to go to Transylvania, you know, I am sure there are pl- – people that do treat it that way, you know, how many people go to Transylvania, you know, looking for fucking Dracula and, and stupid shit like that when the reality is it's it's like somebody coming to New Jersey and looking for Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's
1: never gonna happen. At least if Victor Miller has anything to say about it. <laughs> but, you know, it it is kinda of a cool thing that they had in there. You know, nobody is, is treating it seriously. You know, everybody thinking they're a joke. You know, they go to the castle uh, Gill's thinking, oh my God, this castle is so atmospheric and so ominous. When they go up to the door, it's got American Express and Diners Club International on the door. <laughs> and Jack's like, yeah, this is really spooky. It's got these credit cards that they accept on the door. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah to, to, Tony Covellas for Diners Club. But to me, that's, that's what worked about this movie, is the fact that nobody takes them seriously. <clears throat> that they're looking for monsters that don't exist. And even Jack, you know, he just wants to leave on the first day that they're there. He's like, all right, we're not going to find anything. Let's go home. But Gil is the one that insists that they're going to find out some information because of that tape that they have called Frankenstein Lips. Because obviously something did happen at this chapel, and it was recorded. And that's why I kind of like that element of the movie, where Jeffrey Jones and the police inspector... They're hiding something and they don't want it to be found out. So it wasn't like, ah, eh, we're all having fun." No, they're trying to hide a secret. What? Is someone playing an Atari? No. <laughs> Rocketing sound, man. I heard. I'm hearing that too
0: now. It's weird. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm
4: getting some weird ass sounds in the background, like someone's playing Berserk on the Atari. Doc,
0: <laughs> yeah. is that you? Nope. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but Talk to yeah the boy. Um, he's over there playing pong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you could definitely tell uh, with Carol Kane okay, i definitely yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that there was definitely uh, an improv aspect to their performances I mean because I like Carol Kane you know I think that you know, I for what it's worth she's a great actress um, the scenes that she was in you could just tell that like there was no script for those scenes <laughs> It's just her running in <laughs> and just fucking annoying the shit of this fucking butler. <laughs> I, to get I it's fucking love out. her.
2: I love her so much in License to Drive, man. but she fucking got that gigantic plate of fucking mashed potatoes and she's just smearing <laughs> yeah. ketchup all over it.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And Richard Mazard is looking at her the entire time. <laughs> like, yes, honey. Whatever you want, honey. <laughs>
0: yeah. Keep people's problems. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, yeah, and this one it was the exact same thing. And like the had said, it's you know it's not a musical, but at the same time it has a very much a Rocky Horror vibe. You know, with these with these two servants, like you're my wife, but I want you to leave me alone. And she's like, I just want to help you carry everything in. And he's like, oh, Let me cut up the grapefruit. Uh, you're not allowed to touch anything, sharp
0: <laughs> You're not allowed to <laughs> touch anything.
1: Leave it alone. I have this. And she's just constantly trying to get in on everything trying to clean the windows, and she's pointing out every spot he missed. <laughs> you know, it's just its weird characters that you don't think they're going to really go into anything with these characters, but they kind of do. They kind of develop into their own, you know, going further than the movie. Yeah, One of
3: the they things do. That I had said Earlier about them was that a lot of their work together was completely improv, uh, you yeah. know, with very minimal direction. So uh, knowing that, uh, it makes kind of watching their interactions, uh, you know, one of the funniest parts of this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. They were very they entertaining.
3: That.
1: Yeah, they. I, I appreciated everything that they had, <laughs> especially towards, you know, the middle sequences with Gil running around the castle. And every time she showed up, he would be knocking her down whether it's in the closet, whether it was outside, she'd be trying to say something to her husband, and you'd just knock in there and just knock her out of the frame. <laughs>
0: like,
1: you know, all she wants to do is help, and you're not letting her do it. Um, you know, I've, I've really appreciated those aspects of it. Um,
0: you know, and that's the other
1: thing I wanted to talk about, too, is with um, Odette, played by Gina Davis. i would never found her attractive. As an actress, I've always found her very masculine. Like uh, mm-hmm. like uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh man, back in the '80s, Sigourney Weaver was so hot." I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I guess it's subjective." do. Uh, you, know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the way Gina Davis just she comes up in this movie too. Just very masculine. I know that you know she has the very kind of seductive outfit as the vampire Odette, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, eh, I don't know." <laughs> A little too mannish for me in a lot of ways. I'll do with that. I don't think I would have the same reaction as Ed Begley Jr. who kept fucking throwing her whales, but I'm like, dude, just get it. If she wants it, give it to her. Even as a little kid watching
4: this movie, man, I was like, okay, I, I, could, work around, I could work around the teeth. I I could get into that. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Work around the I mean, what? I don't know what,
1: like, the teeth. You know, her fat teeth.
0: She, oh, the vampire's teeth. Your...
1: Yeah, the the, the vampire. So anyway, like, Ghoul Doc. I don't know what you guys thought about Gina Davis in this movie. I mean, I know she was trying to be the the sexual kind of vampire. Um, it was fine, but I was like, I just I've never been in Gina Davis's corner as far as being you know a sexy you know actress. You
2: know, I mean, it was her early casting. You know what I mean? We saw this in Earth Girls Are Easy. We saw this in you know uh, even The Fly. You know where she's the love interest. So. I don't know i kind of i agree with you in that I also kinda of always have found her kind of masculine um again lump her, lumping her into the same same thing as like Sigourney weaver with the uh that whole thing
1: yeah yeah doc, what did you think
3: same thing you know I mean I'll agree with your comments on uh Gina Davis and I'll agree with your comparison to the time frame of Sigourney weaver uh you know um you know her role is the you know the horny vampirist, uh, if you will. Uh, I mean, she played the role fine, but I don't necessarily. And maybe because she is not your traditional, uh, sexy type actress, maybe that is supposed to like make it funny or something. But you know, it's just not something that works for me when it when it when it comes to sex appeal.
0: Yeah,
1: it, I could see where they were going with the character. Um, you know, like the outfit. Like the nymphomaniac.
0: Yeah, It was a good uh-huh.
1: outfit, you know, and when she showed up, it's like, all right, you know, I, I don't know why he was batting her away. I, I don't think I would have. <laughs> I don't know if I would have been so quick to re- uh, resist her advances um, if I was Gil, but, you know, he obviously had a reason why. <laughs> I still don't know why. I think I would just let her go to town. <laughs> well, well on else the you list, get? On the flip side, I
4: personally wanted to see more of Elizabeth just because I finally figured out where she was from, and she was the wife in uh, Richard Pryor's movie, The Toy. Where oh, <laughs> hell yeah,
0: was. I should have told I you that right Richie had off the chest back, hanging
3: up. <laughs> uh, Fancy Bates. I should have told you that right away, Teresa Gansel. Uh, when I was watching <laughs> this now, uh, it took me 10 seconds. The second I heard that voice, I'm like, oh, I know who exactly who that is. Uh, that's Fancy Bates, man. Uh, U.S. Bates' wife in The Toy. Absolutely. Who constantly mm-hmm. um, would say ass" instead of U.S. Uh, ab- <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent, excellent call.
2: She reminds, like, she (laughs) looks like she could be Mina Suvari's mom.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see them in a movie together because that could definitely work. And that that was the one kind of character. It was just kind of weird because they, for some reason, they had to have a love interest for uh, Jack's character, Jeff Goldblum, in the movie. And it was, I I don't know how I felt about that because they had to have a, for some reason, they had to have a love interest uh, for him. And I don't think it was necessary. I just felt like, you know, Goldblum probably said, if I'm going to do this movie, I need to have a lot interest. <laughs> so, you know, him trying to, you know, get into that, um, you know, just trying to invite her out to dinner, you know, get a babysitter, and we'll have dinner, and she goes to dinner with him, and then she goes, what are you investigating? He goes, ah, I don't want to talk about it. She's
2: like, no, 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 seriously.
0: Well, like, you, they got uh, to they gotta give him something
2: to do. they got to give him something to do because he doesn't believe in the story. So... You know, what What else are you yeah, going to do with the character?
1: I, I felt like he should have been the one to be seduced by Jenna Davis's character, not Ed Begley Jr. Because he's a skeptic. He's the one that just doesn't really believe anything that's going on. So I felt like if he was the one seduced by Odette, it would have worked better. Because he's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in all this bullshit. So to have him confronted by a, a vampire, you know, that actually... Man, wants but him, he's, he's just a, a, he's a man who.
2: He's a man whore who would end up banging her right off the bat, whereas Begley's yeah, innocence yeah. as a character is, is the foil. He's
3: mm-hmm. like the timid. He's exactly. He's like the timid, uh, you know, timid kind of prudish kind of the man. Yeah, totally, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that's why you know I see that's where the comedy of that sequence is, is 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 being presented. Even towards the end, when he was all belted down on that table and she was there to try to rescue him, and he's and she's and he's like. You know, undo the belt, and she starts to undo the belt of his pants, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, no, 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 not that belt, the other belt. Uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> like his character, it would have been a totally different situation.
1: Mm-hmm. But the, what I was talking about with Elizabeth, I did like that scene. Where they're out to dinner, and he's you know, kind of whining and dining her, and she's asking him what he's investigating. He's like, oh, you don't want to hear about that. And she's like, no, seriously. Like, what are you guys here for? Uh, you know, we're here to investigate Frankenstein. She goes, oh, really? Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Even she just thinks he's a fucking nut job. He's like, wait a second.
0: No, 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 no. Hey, you know, it's
1: trying to get in her pants at the same time. She's like, he's crazy. He's, he's a nut job.
0: But it <laughs> yeah, worked for me. But it's, yeah, I don't know.
1: Good ahead,
4: Maggie. No, I was going to say, but Jeff Goldblum's character was our stereotypical sex drive, you know, co- comedic hero of the time, just like Steve Gutenberg in Police Academy. Bill Murray and Ghostbusters, you know, we had to have that kind of lead mm-hmm. guy. Same th- uh, same character in Driving School, you know, of mm. that co- that comedic lead.
2: Ow! Driving <laughs> School. Uh, so so, so <laughs> yeah. fucking oh, bitch. And he, knows, okay. and he knows, and he knows, <laughs> and because she's got a kid, he knows she puts out. You know what I mean? So, so that's, <laughs> it's a short <laughs> thing. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I did like the fact that you know she's from New York, so they had to have the uh, Transylvania band play "New York, New York." But with their "New York, accent. New
2: York."
0: Hey, we know <laughs> that song. <laughs>
1: Stop spreading the oohs. <laughs> that was another one of those little scenes. But I, like, I was following Jeff Goldblum in this movie. I was like, I was behind his character um, when they go to the the sanitarium to kind of get more information about what they're looking for. And he's telling Gill, you got to climb over the fence and put on the robe. And he's like, well, this is crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, you're just going to lock me up in here. He goes, no, I'll be fine. Just, you know, put on the robe. And as soon as he's climbing over the fence, he's like, patient trying to get out. And they immediately grab onto him. And Jeff Goldman just walks away. <laughs> you know, I don't give a fuck about my friend. He's going to find out whatever information he has to to get in there and find out what's going on.
0: You
1: know, I'm going to go back to the hotel room and not give a fuck about what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know I just like I said, I just I like that Jack character because he's he's like me, he's a skeptic. Doesn't want to believe it, just wants to go home. Like I'd rather be reporting on real things and not this Frankenstein bit. Yeah,
0: but
4: excuse me, sorry. Oh crap. Yes, monkey? No no. Sorry, I was trying to deal with the dog. I'm sorry. As you do. Spit it out, monkey.
0: <laughs>
1: no, I was, no, I was was talking to the dog. not you guys. <laughs> we understand. Sorry, go ahead. Your thoughts,
0: sir? Uh, no. no, it's just I was going to say... Sorry. We're internal, uh, <laughs> internal <laughs> issue <whisper laughs> here. <laughs> speak, monkey. Speak. <laughs> No, I was
4: just gonna say but you know, then then we start to get more into the other stories of the monsters and stuff like that because we come across some someone in the town who you know, tells them that they believe in monsters as well. Come come meet her and she will tell them about another monster and that's when we get the whole gypsy scene going on where they are told that there not only is there Frankenstein in the town, but there is also a wolf man. Which
2: yeah. is also a throwback <laughs> to the Wolfman, you know, the whole Absolutely. gypsy thing and everything. So I, I did appreciate little touches like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate yeah, that then,
1: touch because they do have that weed on the Wolfman. And they follow the guy out of his house and they're tracking him down, trying to see what's going to happen with this guy. They go to the woods and you just hear a bunch of snarling and growling and grunting. And then when they pull out the bushes, it's actually just this guy fucking a woman he's like uh, can I help you like, like, oh no hey no we're sorry <laughs> you know? and mm-hmm. Gil's just like who makes sounds like that I'm like is that what you do if- during sex like you know you make these fucking sounds and the gypsy says yeah my husband's a wolf my son's a wolf man <laughs>
0: <You know?
1: laughs> it, yeah again it was a joke that worked for me because it, her husband's obviously cheating because it's the gypsy and her son's yeah. the obvious wolf man
4: and and the, and the king told me last night that the guy in the bushes was actually the director of the film, <laughs> Rudy Deluca. Yeah, Rudy Deluca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who who actually filmed that scene with his hands completely down and the camera pointed right at his ass? But they cut that part out so they could keep the PG rating.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: What, yeah, and what did
2: they go with with his name? They called him like Larry Malbot or something instead of Larry Malbitt. Yeah.
1: Lawrence Malbitt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to keep in line with the Wolfman. Yeah, it was Lawrence and Albert. But yeah, I like the fact that they kind of really quickly, you know, separated the fact that he's not actually a wolf man. He's just trying to get some strange, He's you know, in the woods with this woman. You know, he's just a, a cheater. Um, but there's also the the mad scientist cheater, cheater, pussy here. eater. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of his name off the top of my head. Victoria, uh, Victoria Mal, uh, I think is the mad scientist. Doctor Malavacua. Yeah. I, I really did like this character because he was just so with bipolar with, with everything that he was doing, um, just trying to play the mad scientist role. But he was having a good time doing it, uh, like, the, like you said. He, it was a fun kind of character. And see, anytime I, adore, I see
2: Joe Bologna, uh, Bologna, I think of this 80s TV series called Rags to Riches. Which had uh, it was him as the starring role. It was very much like Annie, except it was like a, again it was like a musical TV series, like Annie, except he adopts a whole bunch Thank of you. girls instead of just adopting the one kid. And I know one of them was uh, ah, uh, fuck, it's uh, what's his name's wife, man? I think Tisha Campbell is the uh, is is the actress's name? I think she's Martin From Lawrence's Martin? wife. Uh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. She was one of the, one of the kids. Um, I forget some of the other wow. actresses. I do I, I want to say uh, maybe Heidi Ziegler from Just the Ten of Us. Man, it was a again a mm-hmm. bunch of a bunch of kids, but it was a fun little series. And that is like the one thing. Like that's the first time I ever saw this guy. So anytime I see him in anything, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, it's Mister Foley from Fucking Rags to Riches.
1: See, I didn't <laughs> even know that. I I had no kind of point of reference for. Uh, the actor that plays Victorio Melvaca, except that he was just a mad scientist in this movie, and it, and it worked because they're trying the, the town people, including to the police inspector, including the mayor, are trying to keep this like a secret on down low because they're getting money, you know, for their town. They're just trying to keep everything that's going on a secret. Um, well, he's, he's Adam Sandler's
2: he dad in Big Daddy. Really? That's um, him. Yeah, you know, that that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah, Lenny Kofax. Uh, He's, again, he's he's one of those character actors. He's been in a ton of things. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, you see him and, like, you kind of see he's got that face that you kind of remember. But, like I said, for me, like, the first thing I always think of is that. Mm -hmm. But what I did kind of appreciate is that you get
1: the reference of who the Frankenstein monster really is. Um, It's Kurt uh, Hundea, who was a a patient of Malibaqua. And they claim he died, but they exhume his body, and it's a, a female dummy in this uh, crypt. And the mayor, Jeffrey Jones, goes, uh, "Put it in my car." I'm like, uh, really? He goes, "Evidence." <laughs> For some reason, that it was good too. I
4: was like, "It's not a little boy body, though." I was like,
1: I
0: don't know yeah, yeah,
4: we we, we yeah, we know he doesn't like full-grown women.
1: <laughs> no, he doesn't. But it it was one of those things, you know. it was... Put it in my car. Uh, but we find out that they're seeing that that crypt has been empty. Um, but it works. You know, it's one of those things yeah. where obviously this is who the Frankenstein monster is. So it's not mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster. It's it's a patient. Go
0: ahead,
1: Yeah, friend. and going back to
4: you know the doctor is that I, I found I don't know why I found it funny, but it's just we're supposed to be in Transylvania, you know, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, Malakut is trying is, to. It's okay.
0: <laughs>
4: no, he he's doing all this to try and rescue the family name, you know, because he's from this area and whatnot. But then, why does he have a New York accent?
1: He, no, I thought it was the like shoot. an Italian accent, though. Like it was yeah, definitely, it was definitely like like a Italian, Italian Italian accent. Yeah, it wasn't a New York accent mm-hmm. by any means. Definitely I thought oh. it was Italian. When he became normal, it sounded like a New York accent. Because he had those like dual personalities where he was crazy one second and then
2: sane the next. Um, and that's when because he kept he is, you know, a new, he's a New York actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to lose that, you know? He was born in Brooklyn, <laughs> yeah. man.
1: Um, and the the scene that I did really kind of like is uh, in the, the field when uh, Elizabeth's daughter – Goes you know running off into the field and gets confronted by the Frankenstein creature, and it takes her away, and they're on the search for her. When Gill uh, runs into the Frankenstein monster, I don't know what you guys felt, but I loved his reaction because it was like mixed shock and like laughter at the same time.
0: Where he's like, <laughs> "Oh
1: my god,
0: uh, there's
1: the creature we've been looking for, and he's right here, and I'm fucking touching him." So it was a mixture of. Holy shit. And oh no, this is not good. Um you know, what did you guys think about that that uh kind of reveal when he actually is confronted with the Frankenstein monster? I
4: I enjoyed it. I, I thought he nailed it right, man. It's like, you know, of you know, he's on the verge of hysterical laughter because he's just so full of panic and fear.
2: Uh, a yeah, mental breakdown is definitely uh is the way to go. I, I, I just I, love I, I, when the, yeah, really. you know, when Gilman grabs his balls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. That was just a weird thing, too, because all of a sudden the hand comes out of the water, just grabs his dick, and he's just like, oh, no, mm-hmm. just runs off into the woods. Um, even Goldblum, when he's in the woods searching for Elizabeth's daughter, and he comes across the Wolfman for the first time, you know, that was just one of those, like, weird... Which is Donald Gilman.
0: Yes, they're, it was. Just
2: yeah, thank you, You can't get around Donald Gibb, man. You know, Revenge of the Nerds, <laughs> yeah. fucking Bloodsport. Yep. You know, the guy has those, like, one-liners that are just said, and they're just said with that weird voice that he's got, and it just works, man. I, like, I, I enjoyed him. When he was locked in the cage later, he's got some lines <laughs> that are just going on in the background that had me cracking up. I can't think of any of them right now, but, like, I, I, those were parts that I was, like, genuinely laughing at, not because of what what was going on in the screen, but what was being said in the background by him. And I could see it because I had the subtitles on.
0: Yeah. I should have
1: ate you too. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, she's gotten out. Yeah, man. (laughs) You know, just that weird thing. Uh, But yeah, like doc, did you, did you like that whole, like kind of reveal towards the end where Gil runs into Frankenstein's monster, then Twisto, and like, everything is kind of coming to a head in this movie. You know, I felt like it was the right time to do it, and I felt like all the reactions were kind of what people would do in that situation. Like, holy shit! Like, this is actually real. This is happening.
2: Doc, doc, doc. Aging doctor, doctor. <laughs> Aging
1: demonic doctor.
2: Did he drop off? Well, I don't know. Hello.
0: Well, yes. Go ahead. <laughs>
3: Go ahead, I'm sorry, I was having trouble with my technical thing. Go ahead, repeat the question.
0: Sure.
1: (laughs) But, you know, we've been talking about this kind of culmination of everything happening at once, with Bill running into the Frankenstein creature, uh, with Jack running into the Wolfman, with Twisto in the water. Like, you know, did you feel like this is a good way to kind of reveal everything at once, or it's just kind of one big, you know, reveal of everything?
3: Yeah, well, you know, it had to get there. I feel like... Uh, all of a sudden, like oh, we're investigating this mystery, and then, you know, it took, it just. it feel like it felt like it took a long time to get there. I feel that this one mm-hmm. took uh, I feel like this one felt longer than it actually was, and by the time they finally got to the reveal of all of it, it had just been like just so much time had gone by and just so much talking about it and conversation and such.
1: And what I did like is the kind of aggravation by Dr. Bell Rockwell, when everything starts going down and he has to try to do everything he can to cover everything up. Uh, like the, the ghoul had said, when he captures the wolfman, you know, and he goes, well, why'd you grab him for? And he goes, well, he scared me. He goes, you looked like that and he scared you? You know, Get the hell in the cage. Like, you know, just, I don't want to deal with you right now. And then you have Odette coming and trying to seduce, once again, Gil laying on the table, and he goes, you know, if I didn't keep you in chains, you'd be sleeping with the entire town. Get in your corner. <laughs> He's just trying to get everybody in their corners and just trying to restore order and keep everything secret and everything covered. You know, this is why I thought that the, the character of Dr. Belovato was really kind of coming into his own, You know, just desperately trying to keep everything under wraps. But it's coming unraveled, literally like the mummy later in the movie. <laughs> Where <it's,
0: Aha>. everything's, <laughs> coming <apart. laughs>
1: everything's coming apart. Everything's coming apart. And he doesn't know how to handle it. Like, you, you've got to do something with his reporter. There's another one out there who gets arrested and put in a cage. But so luckily, Elizabeth is there to free Jack from his cell by knocking the other Because he's got a uh, bottle. Yeah, <laughs> don't, let, don't let that bitch near a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and the cop telling him that you'll be here until the cows come home. No, he won't because Elizabeth's there with a bottle. Knocking the cop over her head so she could free Jack so they could find out the truth. I mean, it was just, it was great because everything is just all over the place with where these things are at that point. Um, and that's why I felt like this movie needed to be, you know, going into that third act where it's like we know what's going on, but we just need to kind of have the town know what's going on because we feel like they need to know the truth.
2: You yeah, know, I feel like this movie, I don't want to say you know, obviously you can't say it could have been better. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it could have been better. I feel like it could have used like the national Lampoon's treatment. I feel like these people were watching, you know, films like police Academy watching, you know, national lampoons, vacation, Saturday night live, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And decided to like, you know, Hey, we're going to make a comedy horror film of this, this oeuvre. And, I just feel like with, you know, a tighter writing and maybe a little bit more slapstick. I feel like they tried to play this too straight at times. I agree. It really needed to be more slapstick funny, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like little things I could think of, like, make the little girl what's-her-face's daughter, make her accident-prone, you know, like, like Laura, every two yeah. fucking seconds, you know, you're seeing Laura, like, you know, fall off of something, and she's got, like, a broken <laughs> arm, or, like, you know, she's got this, she's got that. Like, just, there should have been funnier things going on throughout the whole film, because there were periods of time where it just dragged. Well,
1: and that's why I like the scene where uh, Radu and his wife, Carol Kane's character, they confront Frankenstein's creature in the, uh, the barn where he's playing uh, cards with her. And she beats him. And he's like, Ugh, And then she just puts her hands up, like, you know, oh, well. But they try to, you know, put the chloroform uh, the over his face. And you have Radu kind of riding all over the place with Frankenstein's creature because it won't go down. And he's being thrown all over the place. He ends up getting thrown out the window. And his one concern is his glove. i like, oh, no, my glove. <laughs> For some reason, I was like, why do you care? You know, you have to have the one glove on Be Michael Jackson for a little while Just have the one glove, Radu But he just cares so much about the one Little glove as he's Trying to put Frankenstein under a sedation Um, Because he's Because he's a professional, damn it (laughs) Yeah Professional butler (laughs) That's Radu He's trying to carry on the entire time You
0: know,
1: we get to the head We get to the head of the movie With the um the wine festival. And Elizabeth confronting the police commissioner, uh, Kurdeck and the mayor saying, you know, you're sitting here drinking wine the entire time. My daughter is missing. What are you doing to find her? And I'm like, yeah, no, we're cool. You said, we find her. We will.
0: <laughs>
1: After the festival. You want to drink the wine? Yeah. It's a, oh. it's a festival. Have fun. Sit down. Have some wine. Cause that's what we do. Um, but this to me, and this is what I was talking about with the monkey last night. It's probably I had the some. best part of the movie. And not because it's the ending of the movie, but because we find out who these creatures really are. <laughs> and to me... That is the
2: best part, because it's the end. It, well, no.
1: <laughs> but it's my favorite part because they are debunking monsters. Right? And that's what I really did like about this movie, is that they're debunking everything. <laughs> You know that, oh, really? Uh, you think Frankenstein's monster is real? Well, no. It's a guy that got into a car accident and was on life support. And I committed surgery to him, and fortunately he looks like this. But I brought him back.
0: You no, know, but he looks like to... this
4: because – but they also say he looks like this because the money that should have been used for all the proper surgeries was taken by the mayor and the
1: head of the police. Yeah. hmm
4: And, and that that's was why he else... looks like
0: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not, you know, this is a creature that we've pieced together like in the original Frankenstein novel. You know, it's a person, you know, and the money was taken away from his surgery by the mayor, by the police commissioner, and this is why he looks the way he does. Um, and then the, the mummy reveal, because he had the mummy in this movie as being somebody wrapped up in bandages.
0: There's actually a
1: woman who has knockers, and she's just so happy. Knockers?
0: I never thought I'd have knockers.
1: Oh yes, <laughs> you have
4: knockers, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, cause, cause she was ra-
1: because she was
4: wrapped because yeah. Did because you say knockers? Ra- she... Knockers,
1: yeah, yeah. it's in the air. Yeah, she but, says
4: uh, She has knockers. Yeah, but she was wrapped up from head to toe because she went through extensive plastic surgery from head to toe. She wasn't <laughs> I a mommy. She too, was healing.
2: Well, I think too what they were going with there, and it's very subtle. It wasn't just that she had plastic surgery. She's I transvestite. think she was a she was a transvestite. She was a guy and she'd been yeah. turned into a woman with knockers. So, I ca- the article I at the liked, end of the movie says that. Yes, but I, also that article too. was coming it was coming from the sensation. So we know he was just making up those stories too. So it's possible that she was, it's possible that she wasn't because when they were explaining it during the scene he talks about how she was a woman that just wasn't very happy with stuff. Um, yeah, okay. I what she what she looked like. Yeah, she and, was uh, ugly. She was, she was ugly. Yeah, do. doing that, doing that fucking face, you know. Remember what you look like? Yeah. <laughs> he
0: <does
2: that>. yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah Michael Richards like, <laughs> <yes>.
0: <laughs> oh
2: yeah, we remember. I've, <laughs> I've seen girls that look like that. <laughs> <laughs> Him doing that face <laughs> actually made me think of Pepper from American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, but, that definitely is a great example. Um you had the wolf man who just has that genetic condition where he just grows hair over his body and how Dr. Belvaco is trying to cure him of this disease. So he lifts up his shirt and he's just bald right in the middle of his chest. He's like, see, it was working. Yeah, dudes. <laughs> like I was going to be cool. Like it he was helping me, man. Like, you know, I'm not a wolf man. I just got a lot of hair. Like, uh, you know, and even Odette, who, it was kind of a stupid thing. I didn't like her reveal where it's her sitting in the carriage, and she's like, oh, no, I'm so ugly. I just, I I don't really think I'm good-looking at all. I'm like, well, you're not, Sheena Davis, so I kind of get that. You know, I mean, you're not gorgeous.
2: I know. Yeah, everybody gets, like, a big reveal and explanation, and she gets nothing. She just hides, and that was it. You know, So, I mean, what, I guess her her nymphomania was just due to the fact that she had low self-esteem. I mean, was, yeah. was that what they were going with? Like, I, I did like the ending with the idea of them debunking all of these things, you know. So, like, yeah. yeah, maybe somebody like, you know, again, to bring him up, like Andre the Giant. Let's say if he was born in, like, the 1600s or the 1700s, you know, he would have been considered like a monster out in the wilderness somewhere type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I did enjoy it. I just wish that the rest of the film was as smart as the ending tries to be.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it,
1: it, the the Odette character, it, it was kind of just, you know, I, I didn't think, that, I thought that maybe they were going to save that one, and that she actually is a vampire uh, living in Transylvania, but instead, no, she has eight fangs in her mouth, and Ed Begley Jr.'s character takes them out, and he's like, no, uh, you look gorgeous, and no, oh, well, I gave her a nose job, you know, and that was it.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I would
1: have rather of her been an actual vampire. I thought that would have been a cool twist. That would have that been She actually is. A yeah, it would
2: have been funny if she like you know turned into a bat or something and like flew off, and they all kind of realized yeah. that. Oh shit, you know she was real. That's weird.
1: <laughs> it would have been because at the the end when they're making the reveal, she's the one the first one that hides in the carriage, and I'm like, okay, well maybe she really is a vampire, like you know, and it's, it's the one real thing in this movie. Nope. Uh, no, they have to have that reveal, too, where she's not a real vampire. She's just had a nose job, and she's insecure about herself. And she's also an so, no, that, that,
0: that?
4: No, that would have been great if, like, you know, Ed Beagley had gone up and be like, okay, so what's your reveal? And she's like, no, really, I'm a vampire. <laughs>
0: that
4: yes.
1: would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right? It would have been so much better, but, like, they were just trying to debunk everything. And in a way, it worked, but I wish they would have let that one-one go of her being an actual vampire. Um because then you have the, the whole scene of, of Goldblum with uh, Elizabeth and her dancing in the town square. you know. And how are we going to get anybody to believe this? Well, good thing I have a camera. So we can just take a bunch of pictures of everybody, and this is going to be great because we're going to be huge hits. We're going to have a super lifetime. I brought my 1980 10-millimeter tourist camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
1: everybody dances the Transylvania 6-5,000. I'm taking pictures, but like, all right, so... <laughs> Good way to end, you know, with the with the pictures and kind of confirming everything. But at the same time, uh, like the Goolat said, you're still going to be writing headlines uh, for the sensationalistic, you know, National Enquirer type newspaper. But they're not real, you know, because they're not actual monsters. Like they're just people. So like they have the one headline at the end of the vampire sucks it down dry. Well, how? She's not a vampire.
0: She's <laughs> so not. But you
1: because that. because yeah. it's a tabloid. <laughs>
0: They did, that's that's like, true. They
2: also,
4: because then they have the the other headlines of Frankenstein lives, and they have the headlines of, um, you know, tra- tra- uh, uh, Transylvania transvestites. Um, then the the the, the um, couple that were servants, their headline was they never had a real hump. Ha ha.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, well, yeah, he gets all offended when they uh, when they make fun of his kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that didn't work for me at all. I don't know what you guys thought about that, but I thought it was just stupid because I didn't know what they were going with it. Like, is it supposed to be a kid born out of incest? Like, I I don't know what that's supposed to be because they kind of tried to make it seem like they were related. It's
2: the idea that they allowed the two freaks to fornicate, and what did they have? They ended up having a freakish kid. You know, the whole family ended up with humps and – you know, well, why would you allow that? And, you know, it turns out that they didn't actually have the humps to begin with. Yeah, because they, the kid shows up. My and, humps. You know, they, my they humps. My it, lovely then. lady humps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then
1: Loopy, Carol Kane's character, goes, Well, you need to stand up. But you don't need to hunch over all the time. And then he just stands up, and they're like,
0: Oh, hey. Like, you know, like, all right. Uh, it's just,
1: it was one of those things I didn't know it felt like needed to be in the movie felt Like they could have done without the kid because it just didn't add anything to those characters. I thought they were fun on their own, they didn't need to have a son.
4: Yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah. It was one of those little things that just kind of got thrown in there at the end. Um, you know, especially with Dr. Bell when they had his article that he uh, did uh recommend himself, or uh, <laughs> you know, just doing self surgery on himself because that's what he couldn't do. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it, it was kind of cool seeing those little articles, but like Miguel had said, you're trying to keep up with the the fun of everything that happened. You don't want to reveal that these people are actually just regular outcasts. You have to keep the sensationalistic articles alive, but... Because that's that's
0: what they do. Mm -hmm.
1: Just so they can keep their jobs. It's, you know, know, everybody's got to have a a place at the table. But,
2: I mean, overall,
1: I I still like this movie. I mean, it's not one that I've gone back to in a long time. Like I said, it's been, you know, decades since I've watched Transylvania 6-5,000, but it's still a fun movie. I think this is a movie that kids, I think, we get a kick out of, even today. I guess, you know, maybe the jokes are a little outdated, but I think a kid today could watch Transylvania 6-5,000 and still have fun with it.
2: Yeah, no, we, we're kid, what, what,
4: kids, kids, we're trying to figure out what those
1: telephones are. Yeah. Kids
2: these days, there's actually an entire children's movie franchise called Hotel Transylvania
0: which takes uh-huh.
2: all of these characters but they do it out of the perspective of Dracula himself and okay. you know what that that's what they this this film does not move fast enough most of the things that are going on kids wouldn't understand I, I don't think kids these days would find this an entertaining film at all yeah i've
1: never seen the hotel transylvania movies i've seen the trailers uh
2: just i i mean I
1: guess kids The, first, like the first one was good. Yeah. The first one was good, man. Was it? Yeah.
0: I, I haven't seen him. Don't go, <laughs> I, blah, 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 blah.
1: I don't like <laughs> Adam Sandler, so I, mean, I think that's what turned me off to of that whole movie too. Because I really, I had a short window of time back in the late '90s when I did like Adam Sandler, and it was a short window. Uh, so, yeah, I just I, I've never gone back and watched any of his other things. <laughs> you know, I had that very short window where I was like. Oh, Billy Madison's kind of a fun movie. And then I'm like, yeah, no. Watching it now, I'm like, this movie sucks. Like, what was I thinking yeah, very fun.
0: I, 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 I love Billy it.
1: Madison, man. I can't stand that movie now. I'm like, he's so fucking annoying about this entire movie. <laughs> I, I just, I can't get into it. I think the only and Adam man. Sandler movie that I actually stuck with is Little Nicky. Only because it has, like, the hell out of it. fucking whatever made. Yeah. No, no, that's <laughs> the only movie I actually do like <laughs> Yeah, because it's got Henry Kuttner and Satan, and I was like, "That's perfect casting." <laughs> so, I, I will stick with you know, Little Nicky, as far
0: as and you, had the bad
4: and you had the bad action figures by Todd McFarlane. He made Little Nicky action figures. Yeah, he did a whole series of toy uh, figures for Little Nicky. Because, uh-huh. Todd oh, Mc... well, because well, anything that's eight... Because back then, anything that was even slightly demonic, Todd McFarlane had to get involved
2: somehow. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, though, and I know this is, yeah, I, I know you're yes, into uh, yeah. figures and stuff like that, uh, Monkey. Uh, Todd McFarlane, I heard, he's uh, bringing back his movie monster line or something like that, uh, like his movie maniacs. Movie maniacs. Oh, yeah. sweet.
1: And the uh, Tortured Souls line, too. He's bringing that back, too. So I'm looking forward to seeing those new ones. But, yeah, movie maniacs. I love movie maniacs figures. Uh, you know, the ghoul bought me the Norman Bates one uh, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. for my birthday. So I have that proudly on my shelf, along with the tooth fairy that the monkey had gave me and Freddy Krueger. So I have a couple of movie maniacs on my shelf right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else he comes out with, um, you know, in the coming months. And I know he said he wants to release that line soon. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, icons he can come up with. Because he made so many of them back in the day. He made the Ghostface Killer, Candyman, Weatherface, Freddy, Jason, Michael. I mean, all the horror icons. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he comes up with uh, with the new Movie Maniacs line. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, they'll be more affordable than the Movie Maniacs are now. Because the Movie Maniacs line now, they go for a lot of money. When you look at the, uh, the original lineup, they are very, very pricey. So you have to really want those mm-hmm. figures. Mm-hmm. They they go for big bucks, like $60 I've seen, like in a lot of
2: comic book shops for those.
0: You know,
2: I spend too much money on movies these days to buy action figures, too. And, you know, as is that long line of films that I dislike, I ended up owning this one, too.
0: But That's okay. Like I,
2: like I say, it just builds up this gigantic movie library that is my uh, my Xbox.
0: <laughs> well, and, and
2: we, we,
1: you know, the boy and I have talked about that with these movies that we talk about on the show each and every week. Um, I try to come up with free version for everybody. I know that the monkey tries too, because, you know, it's one of those things. Do You want to spend the money on the movie or do you just want to watch it for free in a way that we can present it? So that's why I always try to do it. Sometimes I can't get around it. I know that there's going to be a pick or two coming up where it's going to be a movie that you're probably going to have to spend some money on if I can't find it free. But, I think it'll be Uh worth adding to your library. But being that said, uh, I am looking forward to what the ghoul has for us in store next week. Uh, Because I know he did mention Nick Cage. Um, And if I think it's going the way I think it's going, it's going to be a good one next week.
0: Indeed.
2: We are, and I have not seen the film yet, but I did watch the trailer recently, and it, uh, it definitely piqued my interest. I think we shall definitely... Vulge into some cageisms and watch the recent release named Mandy. Yes.
3: Um. Just real quick, is this uh, is this something that we're going to be able to find? Because this thing's in the movie theaters right now.
0: It it's is on, available um,
2: on. It's on Xbox and yeah. stuff like that. So. And I know it's all right, uh, if
1: you have, Xfinity, I, will, I, will. I mean, I don't know what your cable situation is like, but I know it's on, on for rent. On Xfinity.
0: all right,
3: I will look. I don't have, I don't have. I mean, I have uh, Comcast internet, but I don't have cable. I don't have Xfinity cable. I don't have cable. So, well, you know, let us know.
2: Uh, you know, Doc.
3: You know, if you could find it, I'm yeah, sure right. if find if
2: it. I know, change, if I have to change it up, I shall.
3: No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm sure I'll find it. I'll, I'll take a look in a little bit. Uh,
1: Because yeah, uh, I know that the goal When I talked about his pick uh, for next week Because we talked about it earlier uh, The new Nicolas Cage movie, Mandy Um, I had watched it uh, earlier this week And I had no idea he was going to be Picking this movie for next week And I told him, it's a trippy movie It's fucking weird But you get Cage freakouts Which I always look for in his movies Like if there's not one freakout by Cage In a movie, I'm kind of disappointed And in Mandy, there are so, and all I could say is that you got to watch out for the Cheddar Goblin because it is in effect in this movie, Cheddar Goblin, It's <laughs> just the one takeaway that anybody that watches Mandy says, you got to watch out for the Cheddar Goblin. So what is the Cheddar Goblin? You'll have to tune in to find out next week, guys. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> yep. You and me both. Uh you know, and, and, Monkey, I know you're not going to be able to have a hard time finding it because I told you how I found it. So, yep. enjoy. But, yeah, so that yeah. is it. So, thank you so much, uh, Monkey, for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for your pick this week of Pennsylvania 65,000. Looking forward to next week with Mandy. All right. Uh, been, been fun hanging out
4: with you guys tonight. Have a lovely evening. All of you at home, i see you guys next week.
1: I'm out, bitches.
2: All right. Peace, Monkey, Peace. Um,
1: and, Doc, uh, like we had said, if you can't find a way to, to watch Mandy,
0: uh, hey, let hey, us know. Hey, hey
3: slow your roll there, King. I'm, 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 sure I'll, I'm sure I'll figure it out. I'm a big boy. You know what I mean?
1: I know you are. you got your big boy pants on. I'm just saying, hey, listen, you know, we all have our problems. Um, so if you can't find it, you let us know, but I think you will. I don't think you'll have a hard time. Um, I, I don't know it's think I'm on concerned. demand in various places. So, I mean, I, 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 I think it, it actually goes on sale at the end of the month. Like on physical medium, but I think digitally they have it out already. So I'm pretty no, sure we'll I'll be looking to forward
3: time. to not purchasing that, but um I'm sure I'll be able to find I it digitally. Actually
1: for,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to the coming out on physical medium because I, I can't wait to, to purchase it. I only have digitally. Uh, but I'm no, looking forward to it on
2: physical With Halloween so close, have you been enjoying pumpkin beer?
1: I have been, yeah. I had my first uh, the other day, you know, my first pumpkin beer of the season. You know, I bought myself a, a nice little 40-ounce bottle of Rocktober uh, beer, which is a pumpkin-flavored ale, but they only serve in Lancaster County. So. And I'm looking forward to many other six-packs for the season. I out. heard
4: there's a specific way you're supposed to drink pumpkin beer.
1: <laughs> well, if you ask a Josh, you to <laughs> pour it down the sink. I don't. I pour it right down my chest. And I just flip it all up that way cause I'm a pumpkin beer connoisseur. Got <laughs> to have at least one pumpkin beer every October.
0: So,
1: yeah, that is the way I drink it. Right down the throat, right into the gullet. <laughs> you know, sorry. I don't pour any pumpkin beer down the sink. Just like I don't pour any pumpkin cider or any apple cider down the sink. I drink all of that. It's October.
2: Oh, tell the truth. Soul. You butt, you butt chug that shit and you know it.
1: <laughs> if I knew how to do it, I definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead uh, Why don't you hit us with a plug Goul, while we still have I'll the time.
2: send you a YouTube video Okay But with you saying that okay, great. That means that we're going to need to get Actual video evidence Of the king butt chugging Himself some pumpkin beer uh, I'll pass
0: Speaking of <laughs> out. <laughs>
2: It's just Speaking of butt chugging, hunting. you should totally, totally go to Bonfire Beat Designs. Now, she might not have any butt chugging going on on there, but she definitely has something for you to get for your butt chugging partner, like a, a, a ring, a necklace, earrings, whatever. It's there. Bonfire Beat Designs on Etsy and Facebook, all one word.
0: Excellent, excellent.
1: All right. Yeah, thank you, boys, so much for tonight's episode. And as far as we talk, folks, next week we have a relatively new movie with Mandy uh, starring Oof. Nicolas Cage and Richard Brayton, 31. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so we'll see you next week, everybody. Go cool on, you take out with that famous catchphrase that you do oh so well?
2: Red Rocket. Stay scared.
1: Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. We'll catch you next week. Have a good week, everybody.